Welcome to the Jeffers Brief, only on Contra Radio Network. Hello, Intelligentsia. John Jeffers here again on the Jeffers Brief. Welcoming you to a controversial episode. We're going to talk today about something that I've noticed at the toilet of the internet, which is social media. We're going to talk today about conspiracy theories. And the reason is some of the people I that I know or, you know, uh, have conversations with on the social media platforms are starting to parrot these conspiracies. And these people I consider normal thinking, intelligent. And when I ask them about it, they go, oh, wait a minute. So it dawned on me that perhaps if you are in a proper group or a patriot group, and your leader is peddling something that seems beyond your common sense, it's because it is. Because that is one of our main defenses against conspiracy theories is our own common sense. And sometimes we forget to use it. Now, it's not to say that all conspiracies theories are wrong. I think one of the uh, first ones that come to mind immediately are biolabs in Ukraine. So what? Their country. You want to play with that stuff? That's up to them. But the problem is that first, you, it, 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 this is the problem. Not problem, but this is the rub. The rub is this. It turned out, yeah, they're there. You know what? We have, we have bioweapons uh, research going on in this country. You know, specifically Fort Detrick in Maryland. And if you don't think for a moment that the CDC, you know, I think the people in general, the employees do good work there. However, the leadership has become totally politicized and thus they become less credible with what they say. And don't forget, you got pharma, pharmaceutical companies. Yeah, they're playing around with this stuff. It's not a conspiracy. It's a fact of life, and we don't like it. Does that mean we should be invaded? No. That's like, uh, for example, and I'm just throwing it out there, and that is, okay, so Canada doesn't like our bioweapons research, our biological research facilities. Does that give them a right to come to invade us? No, of course not. So... If you do have somebody like that, that's in a position of leadership, you might want to rethink your leadership. Because in the end, it won't work out well for anybody. So let's start with, look, I know I'm going to lose people. I'm going to make people angry. They're not going to want to listen to this. Too bad. I don't care. You know, being a prepper has its own labels. 
and we are correct in being a prepper. Case in point, in 2020, if you are a prepper, you really weren't too worried about the supply chain like you were, you know, 2021 came and things shut down, people lost their jobs, all that stuff last two years, all right? So, but you are a prepper, you had food, you knew you had water, you knew you had what you needed to have to get through it. That's not bad. It's just a little forward thinking. So let's start off with this. What is the definition of a conspiracy theory? And it's a belief that some covert but influential organization is responsible for a circumstance or event. More specifically, as the British psychologist Christopher Andrew puts it, Conspiracy theories are unsubstantiated, less plausible alternatives to the mainstream explanation of an event, and they assume everything is intended with malignity. Case in point. Last week, I told you about supposed news site that put out space arcs in Ukraine and how they're taking off and they're all over the planet. It's like, and the pro, it's, it's, look, I, you know how I feel about social media. It's the toilet of the internet. What's worse than putting something stupid out like that is that some somebody else decided it was worth reposting. And they believed it. It's like, hold on. Stop. Where's your common sense? So why are we so susceptible, or, you know, susceptible to a conspiracy theory? Well, the answer, of course, is complicated because multiple factors and motives among them are economic, historical, and sociological. Yet, as always, when it comes to us humans, psychology, too, plays a major role. Now, the psychological research has uncovered several mechanisms underlying our perpetual penchant for purveying preposterous plots. And here's the central ones. First, is the fundamental attribution error, which is our tendency to prefer dispositional explanations to situational ones. When we observe an event happening, we are much more likely to uh, attribute it to some intentional internal motive than to circumstance and happenstance. Now, conspiracy theories are by definition dispositional. Someone planned this for a purpose. They are thus uniquely satisfying to our minds. Australian philosopher Stephen Clark writes, as explanations, conspiracy theories are highly dispositional. When conspiracies occur is because conspirators intend them to occur and act on their intentions. In most cases, the, re the received view, the conventionally accepted non-conspiratorial alternative to a particular conspiracy theory is a situational explanation. Second is confirmation bias and its brother, the belief perseverance phenomenon. Two well-known aspects of our cognitive hardware. That's what we have as humans. Now confirmation bias refers to the fact that we tend to become attached to our beliefs and to search for or interpret information in ways that confirms our preconceptions. We all have preconceptions. The question really becomes then, are we aware of them? If you're aware of them, 
that's great. You can avoid some of your preconceptions. So once we settle on a conviction, we will search, remember, and accept all the evidence that supports it while ignoring and neglecting to seek disconfirming evidence. This is why people on, online gravitate to sites that echo their pre-existing beliefs and prejudices. The belief perseverance refers to the fact that we seek to maintain our beliefs even after the information that originally gave rise to it has been refuted. Once we're set in our beliefs, evidence to the contrary will be dismissed actively. I, that means, in other words, there's nothing I can say that's going to make you change your mind. How many times have I told you, look, here's the information. What you do with it is up to you. Because there's, this is a better example. I am a conservative, politically. There is nothing I can say or do that will change the mind of a liberal. There isn't, and there's nothing you can do either. That change has to come from within that person. Whether it happens or not, you know, we are totally powerless to influence that change. All right, you follow me, right? Now, this is why politicians promote polls that show them to be popular. That's confirmation bias. And label as fake those polls that don't. That's belief perseverance. This is why when you're in love, you tend to latch on to everything good about your love object and gloss over or fail to notice warning signs. Confirmation bias. When your friends warn you about the love object, you accuse them of lying out of jealousy. That's belief perseverance. Perfect example. What is that one? Uh, 90 Day Fiance? Or, uh, the, is that the one? It's the, it's the one TV program where women and to some extent men hook up with these people coming out of prison and want to marry them. They overlook everything that they've done and only focus in on what they want to. That is, we hear and we see and we perceive what we want to. Thus, ironically, once we settle on a belief, however deluded or implausible, for example, Earth is flat, we're likely to seek and believe information that supports it. That looks flat to me while rejecting any data to the contrary, however plausible as false, malevolent, or deluded. The science? Well, all scientists are lying. Here's something. Now, before we go in, now I'll wait for the end on it, because this is important. A third psychological factor is our desire to be uniquely knowledgeable. That is, guess what? I've got the inside information. I'm special because I and a select group of others have been selected for this unique information and only I possess it. So our desire to be uniquely knowledgeable, to possess knowledge that others don't, knowledge is power. And we all prefer feeling powerful to feeling powerless. 
It's gratifying and empowering for us, particularly when the complexity and uncertainty of life feels overwhelming. Conspiracy theories supply a seductive ego boost. Believers often consider themselves part of a select in-group that, unlike the deluded masses, have figured out what's really going on. Fourth is our brain's adaptive capacity for pattern recognition. As John Hopkins neurologist Mark Matson puts it, superior pattern processing is the essence of the evolved human brain. It is the fundamental basis of most, if not all, unique features of the human brain, including intelligence, language, imagination, invention, and the belief in imaginary entities such as ghosts and whatnot. Indeed, our brain has evolved in a dangerous environment where the ability to fill in the blanks to guess the whole from a few parts conferred important survival advantages. If I can make out from a distance the hidden predator in the bushes, I'm more likely to survive. Thus, our brain came to, a, to specialize in meaning making and pattern finding in extreme form. And this tendency is known as uh, periodolia, case in point. If you've been in the military, I, especially whether it's the Army or the Marines, the Navy and the Air Force, not so much, but they talk to you about camouflage. You will do an entire day on camouflage. Cover, concealment, what to look for, and what basic, what it comes down to. One line, pattern recognition. That's the whole point of detection of camouflage. Is there danger in that bush? Let me look at it. Do I see something that's not quite right? If I'm the person that's in the bush, I'm going to sit there and camouflage myself so I look like I'm part of the bush. Follow? Okay. Now, while entertaining at times, as we see a face on the moon or Jesus in a piece of burnt toast, this tendency has a shadow side, since in the absence of pattern, our brain will tend to invent one and oppose it upon the world, as when we think that a flipped coin is due to head heads after a strain of tails. As we know, it's probability. That's all it is. But, you know, or, you know what? You go to a casino. You've seen them. Especially at the roulette wheel, or a, is it Kino maybe? I think Kino's the other one. But you go to the roulette wheel, and it's got a whole list in bright numbers. These are the numbers that have come up in the last, you know, 20 spins. So all that's doing is it's preying upon that um, pattern that's in all our brains. Well, uh, 20 red didn't come up yet, so... It's probably due. It's got nothing to do with it, but it preys upon, the casinos prey upon that. Because as human beings, we all have that. We can't stop it. You can be aware of it and deal with it that way. Now, our brain seeks order, cause and effect, and intentionality. But life is filled with chaos, blind chance, illusory corrections, and disorder. When these conditions impinge on us, we become distressed. And to reduce stress, we are compelled 
to make stories that fit the demands of our brain rather than the facts of the world. Stories in which intentionality, order, coherence, and purpose exist, albeit in a hidden form, for example, a conspiracy. As psychologist uh, John Willem Van Poyen and Karen Douglas conclude in their review of the literature, uh, evidence suggests that the aversive feelings that people experience when in crisis, fear, uncertainty, and the feeling of being out of control stimulate a motivation to make sense of the situation, increasing the likelihood of perceiving conspiracies in social situations. The grid goes down. Now, what, it does not matter why the grid went down. As preppers, and the grid goes down, our first priority and intention, it should not be, well, why did it do that? Who cares? It's down. We have to act, and we need to act on, I've got a plan. I've thought about this many times. I've written it out. I'm ready to go with it. Time to, in, time to institute or deploy the plan. You can worry about the whys and wherefores later. Moreover, as social animals, our brains have evolved to seek patterns not only in the external world, but also the interpersonal realm. The capacity to guess what another person knows or how, to, or how that knowledge will affect the person's behavior. And that's what psychologists call theory of mind. It develops in early childhood. That ability is foundational for our complex social commerce. In this context, we have evolved to speculate on the intentions of others and pay particular attention to their perceived hostile intentions, since the cost of missing such intentions is higher than the cost of a false alarm. Believing falsely that you're planning to kill me will not get me killed, but failing to notice your murderous intents will. I say I'm going, I call you up on the phone and say, I'm going to kill you. Well, you can't do it because you're not anywhere near me. I'm standing in front of you. I'm going to kill you. Okay. Those are the intents have been, man, have been stated, but no actions have manifested itself towards that action. Um, you've got a gun in your hand and say, I'm going to kill you. That's a clue. That's when it's time to act. Not only do we have your stated intent, but now we can see that you've actually got the means to carry that out. And we should act upon that. Interestingly, the pattern recognition capability that gives us rise to conspiracy theorizing also lies at the root of another defining feature of humanity. Now, sometimes, you can, it's religion. Um, conspiracy theories tend to assume a powerful unseen force that is responsible for those things that only hap that happen but defy explanation. Conspiracy theories tend to ascribe power to an entity that is hidden yet active in the world, that is more powerful than us but not entirely unlike us. Uh, conspiracy believers are uniquely reluctant to be swayed by argument. 
as law professors Cass Sunstein at the University of Chicago and Adrian uh, Vermeil at Harvard note, it's a distinctive feature of conspiracy theories is their self-sealing quality. Conspiracy theorists are not likely to be persuaded by an attempt to dispel their theories. They may even characterize that very attempt as further proof of the conspiracy. And finally, conspiracy theories are at the core about community manifesting our most fundamental tribal impulses. That's the psychological need to belong, to be part of a well-defined in-group and by extension to recognize and fight enemy out-groups. Conspiracy theories are group phenomena shared by communication rituals that help adherents manage emotions by transforming unspecified, unspecific anxieties into focused fears. Um, successful enduring conspiracy theories produce narratives that are framed as conflicts over sacred values. For example, with religion, the false god is never our god. With the conspiracy theory, the menacing shadowy group is never our group. And conspiracy theories are, are, are always about the other. Psychologist uh, John William Van Proyen notes, the root of conspiracy thinking lies in our ancient instinct to divide the world into us and them. Those categories, the same psychological process that produce a God for us, produce conspiracy theories about them. Yes, I'm a Christian. Yes, I believe in Jesus. Yes, I believe in God before you go there. Now, our basic psychological structure has remained largely unchanged for as long as we can tell. Um, we have centuries old uh, Shakespearean plays and they speak to us now because the characters in, the, in them, their tendencies, fears, struggles, and desires resemble us greatly. And as long as our basic psychology remains unchanged, conspiracy theories will continue to flourish by its byproducts of the evolved processes of our minds. So you're kind of thinking, all right, John, enough. You're right. Well, let me get some tea here. That's what I need, more caffeine, right? All right. So now we talk about how can you defend yourself on a conspiracy theory. Now, a lot of this is from the Conspiracy Theory Handbook, and uh, it's written by Stephen Lewandowski and John Cook. Now, to start off, real conspiracies do exist. Well-known examples include Volkswagen conspired to cheat emissions tests for their diesel engines. The U.S. National Security Agency secretly spied on civilian internet users. The tobacco industry deceived the public about the harmful effects of smoking. So how do we know that these are real? Internal industry documents, government investigations, or whistleblowers. So how you think matters. Real conspiracies get discovered through conventional thinking. In contrast to that conspiratorial thinking is characterized by being 
hyper-skeptical of all information that does not fit the theory, over-interpreting evidence that supports a preferred theory and inconsistency. So, let's break it down into two categories. Get a pencil and paper. Um, draw a line down the middle. Left side, label it conventional thinking. On the right side, label conspiratorial thinking. Number one, under conventional thinking. Write down these words, healthy skepticism. Same line, move it over under the column conspiratorial thinking. Write overriding suspicion. Conventional thinking, responsive to evidence. Conspiratorial thinking, over-interpreting evidence. Back over to conventional thinking, strives for coherence. Conspiratorial thinking, contradictory. Total them up. Conventional thinking is an actual conspiracy. On the conspiratorial thinking, total it up, it becomes an imagined conspiracy. So what do we mean? Why are conspiracy theories popular? Because it's a feeling of powerlessness. People who feel powerless or vulnerable are more likely to endorse and spread them. Coping with threats. And these ideas allow people to cope with threatening events by focusing blame on a set of conspirators. Explaining unlikely events. For the same reason people tend to propose conspiratorial explanations for events that are highly unlikely, conspiracy theories act as a coping mechanism to help people handle uncertainty. Disputing mainstream politics. Conspiracy theories are used to dispute mainstream political interpretations. Conspiratorial groups often use such narratives to claim minority status. And here's my favorite, the toilet of the internet. Social media amplifies conspiracy theorizing. The toilet has created a world in which any individual can potentially reach as many people as mainstream media. That's true. The lack of traditional gatekeepers is one reason why misinformation spreads farther and faster online than true information. Hmm. Often propelled by fake accounts or bots. Likewise, consumers of conspiracy theories have been found to be more prone to like and share conspiracist posts on Disgracebook. I'm not on Disgracebook. So, as a rational, thinking, intelligent human being with common sense, how can you spot a conspiracy theory that is probably not true? Seven traits of conspiratorial thinking that should all be red flags for you to watch out for. One, they're contradictory. Conspiracy theorists can simultaneously believe in ideas that are mutually contradictory. For example, believing the theory that Princess Diana was murdered, but also believing that she faked her own death. This is because the theorist's commitment to disbelieving the official account is so absolute, it doesn't matter if their belief system is incoherent. Number two, overriding suspicion. Conspiratorial thinking involves a nihilistic degree of skepticism towards the official account. 
This extreme degree of suspicion prevents belief in anything that doesn't fit into the conspiracy theory. Nefarious intent. The motivations behind any presumed conspiracy are invariably assumed to be nefarious. Conspiracy theories never propose the proposed conspirators have benign motivations. Number four, something must be wrong. Although conspiracy theorists may occasionally abandon specific ideas when they become untenable, those revisions don't change their overall conclusion that something must be wrong and the official account is based on deception. Number five, a persecuted victim. Now, conspiracy theorists perceive and present themselves as the victim of organized persecution. At the same time, they, th they see themselves as brave antagonists taking on the villainous conspirators. Conspiratorial thinking involves a self-perception of simultaneously being a victim and a hero. Number six, immune to evidence. Conspiracy theories are inherently self-sealing. That is, evidence that counters a theory is reinterpreted as originating from the conspiracy. This reflects the belief that the stronger the evidence against a conspiracy, um, the more the conspirators must want people to believe their vision of events. For, um, Number seven, reinterpreting randomness. The overriding suspicion found in conspiratorial thinking frequently results in the belief that nothing occurs by accident. Uh, so things to look out for when you're faced with a claim. Ask yourself these questions. Do I recognize the news organization? And then believe me, there is a lot of them out there. Oh, where are they? Uh, where is it? Ah. Do I recognize the news organization that posted the story? Does the information in the post seem believable? That's where your common sense comes in. Is the post written in a style that I expect from a professional writer? And is the post politically motivated? A yes to any of these doesn't necessarily mean you're dealing with a nut. You're dealing with somebody who just won't. It's just something to ask yourself. If you become aware that you can be misled, then you can develop a resilience to conspiratorial messages. Being made aware of the flawed reasoning found in conspiracy theories means that you may become less vulnerable to such theories. So, fact, thus go about debunking it. Fact-based debunkings show that conspiracy theory is false by communicating accurate information. Source-based and empathy-based debunking. Source-based debunking attempts to reduce the credibility of conspiracy theorists, whereas empathy-based debunkings compassionately call attention to the targets of the conspiracy theories. A source-based debunking that really killed believers and lizard men was found to be as effective as fact-based debunking. 
logic-based debunking. Logic-based debunking explains the misleading techniques or flawed reasoning employed in conspiracy theories. Explain the logical fallacies and just think of what a logical fallacy might be. Uh, links to fact checkers. I don't like this one, and I'll tell you why. Because the fact checkers themselves have their own biases. And it's just the way it is. They're not robots. They're people behind the computer screens. They read it. Eh, they got their own biases. Well, this is from a, this is from a conservative. It must be bullshit. That's generally how it works out. Uh, if you want to, how to, if you want to talk to a conspiracy theorist, here's some methods you might want to try. Trusted messengers, you know, counter messages created by former members members of an extremist community. Sometimes they're called exiters are evaluated more positively and remembered longer than messages from other sources. Affirm critical thinking. You know, conspiracy theorists perceive themselves as critical thinkers who are not fooled by an official account. This perception can be capitalized on by affirming the value of critical thinking, but then redirect this approach towards a more critical analysis of the conspiracy theory. And show empathy. And that should be uh, empathetic and seek to build understanding with the other party because the goal is to develop the conspiracy theorists open-mindedness and communicators must lead by example. In other words, look, how many of us, and I'm one of them, have been fooled by a conspiracy theory at one time or another? And of course, no one wants to think they've been fooled because that makes you feel stupid. No one wants to feel that way. And avoid ridicule. You know, aggressively deconstructing or ridiculing a conspiracy theory or focus on winning an argument runs the risk of being automatically rejected. So, real conspiracies do exist. But the traits of conspiratorial thinking are not productive way to uncover actual conspiracies. Rather, conventional thinking that values healthy skepticism, evidence, and consistency are necessary ingredients to uncover real attempts to deceive the public. You know, when Tulsi Gabbard was the first one to call out the bioweb, the bioweapons labs in Ukraine, and what happened? They eventually jumped on her and said, yeah, you're a conspiracy theorist, no such thing. But some people thought, wait a minute, Let's take a good hard look at this for what it is. What is the evidence for it? And guess what? Yeah, they're there. So what? Now we know. So again, did the National Security Agency spy on civilian internet users? Yes. They also spied on our phones. Did the tobacco industry lie to the public about the harmful effects of smoking? Yeah. Well, look at uh, Johnson & Johnson, ladies, using the talcum powder. They knew for years and years and years that it caused cervical cancer, or it could cause cervical cancer. Yet they kept it hidden. 
until finally somebody took a good hard look and was able to get and notice, hey, look, these, there's nothing wrong with these women here, here, and here. So what's common to the group of the victims? Johnson and Johnson baby pal, baby towel. Well, let's look into that. And that's how you uncover a real conspiracy. Are they out there? Yes. Are there things our government doesn't want us to know? Yes. Will they lie to us? Yes. The question is, do we really need to know everything? No, I don't. And there are some things I don't want to know. I don't. Don't need to. Don't want to. And because of that, if they say ignorance is bliss, I'll be ignorant and I'll be happy. But the whole purpose of this was to try to make my listeners, that's you, the intelligentsia, sometimes we all get sucked in to a conspiracy theory. You know, many times I've said over the years, every time you see a cloud doesn't mean it's a funnel cloud. Sometimes a cloud is just a cloud. It may look dark and ominous, but it doesn't mean it's a funnel cloud. It just means rain's coming. And I think that you listeners of this show and here on Contra Radio Network are pretty smart people. So with that said, when you hear something or see something that just kind of, it makes you go, what? Bear in mind. You know, check the sources because too many people will repost crap in social media without even looking at the source. For example, uh, how many of they, they, we've got a bunch of news sites on social media and they put all kinds of shit and it's just that, it's a pile of crap. Before reposting it and putting your own reputation on the line for somebody or some organization, you have no idea who they are, go back and look. How many of their stories turned out to be true? That's an easy one right there. Now, granted, they just have to be right one time. But we as discerning, free-thinking, and intelligent people with common sense also have to use that. It's just the way it is, boys and girls. It's the world in which we live. Um, yeah. I've had people block me. They didn't like what I said. That's okay. Some of you don't like what I'm talking about now. Some of you are really pissed off with me. I'm not doing it to make you angry. I'm doing it because I think in the long run it will serve you and your group and your family. It will serve your interests better. You say, well, you don't know anything about my group. or my You're right, I don't. But going down the rabbit hole, hmm, and I know I've used it before. And finally, you know what? Uh, when you go to social media sites and you see these crazy postings, think about it. Does it make really that much sense? 
for example. And this gets all of you crazy. And it, let me let me break it down for you. Joe Biden got 81 million votes. But he didn't win as many counties as Obama or Trump. So how do you get 81 million votes? The question, it's not a Look at the question itself. How many votes did Joe Biden get? 81 million. Okay, great. Out of that 81 million, how many were legitimate votes? And by legitimate, I am asking how many were done the right way? We didn't have double counts going on. One person, one vote. That's the question. Unfortunately, because it's such an emotional issue, we let our emotions override our reasoning and our intelligence. And we get all crazy. No, he didn't get 81 million. He got 81 million votes. But how many are actually legitimate votes? You see what I'm saying? It's our common sense. We have to sit there and think about it. Because once our emotions get involved with our intellect, emotions go high, intellect goes low. If we sit back, take a think about say, wait a minute, does that really make any sense? 81 million. Jesus. That's what uh, the people who are defenders of election integrity. I believe our election integrity has been compromised. And has been for a while because nothing's been done to fix the problem. And we know there's a problem because this is the same system we've been using for decades and centuries. I'm not saying change the system. What I'm saying is change the security of the system so it accurately reflects the will of the American people. So, if, I mean, last week Bill Barr came out saying, yeah, Trump didn't get this, Trump didn't get that. And my response is, well, Mr. Barr, you're so smart. Would you please explain to me what we all saw? For example, ballots being counted after poll watches were sent home, ballots being dragged out of suitcases. I mean, I'm look, I've never worked an election. Well, that's not true. Once with the sheriff's office, I did work the election down at the county courthouse for election security. And I can tell you, hand on the Bible, the whole nine yards, I never saw any ballots come in on a suitcase. Never, ever, ever. Well, John, why were you working the election detail? Because I got paid overtime and it was easy money. Why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't you? So getting back to Barr, can you explain to me what it is I'm seeing? Because the issue then becomes, in my conspiratorial mind, mind you, if it's happening in Atlanta, why couldn't it happen in Philadelphia? Why couldn't it happen, you know, in uh, Las Vegas? Why couldn't it happen in Albuquerque? You follow my, you see what I'm saying? So my point is, what we see, I saw with my own eyes. It's, if you paid attention, you saw it also. So until the time that somebody can, re, can give me a reasonable, I'm not asking for a 100% factual, give me something, throw me a bone, give me a reasonable explanation 
of why ballots are being pulled out of suitcases. Why are some ballots being run, you know, two or three times through the tabulator? Give me a reasonable explanation. And if you can, and it's reasonable, you know what? I might believe that Joe Biden won the election. But 81 million votes? Yeah, he got 81 million votes, but how many of those votes are actually legitimate votes? How many are illegitimate? Here, let's put it another way. There. Okay. If you have, and the whole point of this episode, if you have such a person like that that's leading your group, you might want to reconsider your group leadership. Or if you can't do that, it might be better for you to exit that group, maybe start a different group. Because you don't want to go down that rabbit hole. You go down that rabbit hole and bad things start to happen. There you go. As preppers, yes, we are conspirators. We know that someday the grid's going to go down. And somebody's going to take it down. We know that. I Look, I'm one of those people. I believe it. It will happen. It's just a matter of when. And if so, am I able to survive it? And that's a whole different question, a whole different episode. But that's what I have to say about conspiracy theories. Think, I'm, I'm asking you, does it sound reasonable? You know, when, like I said, let's look at Tulsi Gabbard. She's a Democrat. But she was also an officer in the military. Being in the military, I have some confidence in the officer corps. I have no confidence in the Joint Chiefs of Staff to prosecute a war, much less prosecute a fucking withdrawal from Afghanistan. What a disaster that was. And yes, we all know civilian politicians are loath and will shirk the responsibilities for doing anything responsible and good, despite what they tell you. Just look at their actions. The record speaks for itself. That's not even a conspiracy theory. That's just fact. However, when you look at Tulsi, and she said it, all right, I don't like the idea she's a Democrat, but you know what? She's not one of the crazy Democrats. She's not an extreme leftist, which we see so much of. However, so when she said it, it's like, okay, why would someone of her education, someone of her integrity that I think that she, well, at least she, you know, projects it, risk putting out something like there are bioweapons labs in Ukraine and we better secure those or what the hell's going on with them? Brought questions about it. Why would she risk that to herself personally when, you know, she wanted, she ran for president. She probably has presidential aspirations to be the nomination again. I don't know. But why would someone put that out there knowing that if it was BS, it'd be debunked and forever, forever, she'd be labeled. You know, it's, it's the common sense thing. Think about it. You know, a lot of people don't like Tucker Carlson. For the most part, I like Tucker Carlson. 
do I agree with everything he says? No. Do you agree with everything I say? No. Is that okay? Yes. Do I watch Tucker Carlson? Not that much. I hardly watch Fox News at all anymore. I actually have been watching more Newsmax. And I've been watching a little bit of the OAN. On the other hand, I used to watch all that. But the thing of it is, I became so inundated by what was being reported, I had to take a break from it and say, I can't do this anymore. It's driving me nuts. It's starting to affect me. If you can actually sit there and say, wow, this really is starting to affect me mentally. I've got to take a break, refocus on what's right and what's real. And I don't like feeling the way I do. Take a break. It's not a big deal. Hell, you're a human, not a robot. Which reminds me, uh, the last month or two, more women are listening to Contra Radio Network than men. Ladies, thank you. Now, you ladies out there, I know you have a lot of influence on the men in your lives. I know you do. My wife has a lot of influence on me. And I'm going to tell you something right now. Guys, if you're married and you don't think your spouse has influence upon you, you are deceiving yourself. I'm telling you that now. I'm telling you that now. So, break it down before we close it up for the week. And that is this. Basically, conspiracy theories enable people to accept or accept the things that are going on around them. When by accept, I don't mean they like it, but it explains their environment in which they find themselves or situations or circumstances that they find themselves that they have no control over. To be a good group leader, to be a good patriot leader, you have to deal with reality. What are the known facts? Not the supposed facts that we think or that we like, but what are the known facts? We are supposed to base our decisions based on our observations not ones that we think, the preconceived bias. You know what I'm saying? Just because I look up in the sky and I see a light that's moving across doesn't mean it's a UFO. Could be a high altitude plane. Could be a satellite. Could be a shooting star. Meteor, you know. So, you have to look what are the known facts, not the supposed ones. Don't sup do not sit there and try to hypothesize about what you're seeing. Look at it and see it for what it is. Nothing more, nothing less. Period. Again, conspiracies do exist. They do. Our, every government on the planet is involved in something they don't want their people to know about. Always. To think otherwise is foolish. I have yet to know or, or have any knowledge of any government anywhere that is true and good. All governments deal with stuff they probably shouldn't be doing, and that's why they hide it, because they know they shouldn't be doing it. Anyways, 
What they're doing, well, that's a different story. I don't know. All right, my friends. I know you're not going to like this. Going to lose listeners for this. I get it. I'm prepared for it. I'm okay with it. But sometimes we have to talk about things that are unpleasant. This is not the show I wanted to do three days ago. This is a show I came up with two days ago and thought, you know what? This has to be addressed. It's like prepper burnout. Sometimes you just got to say enough. I need a break from the nightmare world. And what I see coming from people who I, like I said, do I know these people personally? No. Do I know them from social media? Yes. Do a social media that toward the internet? Yes. Do I, do they have these people posted what I would consider sane, logical posts? They haven't talked like they're absolute narcissists trying to get paid, trying to influence others. No. But when I see them start doing this, I say, hey, hold on a minute there, guy. Let's just think about what we're talking about here. And I don't do it in public. I send a message, private message, said, dude. Or if you're a woman, do that. What is this? What are what what are you talking about? And a lot of times, because I am the voice of reason, they'll go, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, okay. You know what? I don't want to be right. I don't have to be right all the time. I can be right some of the time. And I'm okay with that. If I was right all the time, I'd be the emperor of the world. But that's not the case. Nor do I want to be the emperor of the world. That's too much work. All right. Until next time, have an American day. Prep today. Live tomorrow. You already know this. Why am I telling it to you again? Because there might be new people listening. And I know you're angry, but just think about what I said. Think about what I put out there. All right, until next time, I'm John Jeffers, right here on Contra Radio Network on the Jeffers Brief. Thanks for listening.